a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. Today, we are joined by Deseret News reporter and former colleague of mine, uh, and ours, I should and say, mine. really, uh, <laughs> Kyle Dunphy. And he's joined today by Mohammed Tamim Solhadost. He is a an recent immigrant from uh, Afghanistan. Uh, thank you both for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And uh, so, Kyle, tell us kind of how you got involved in creating this piece of journalism that has led you to uh, uh, meet uh, Tamim and, and be able to tell his story. Yeah. So uh, I've been covering the refugee crisis in Afghanistan kind of from the perspective of Utah. Um, Utah originally was uh, slated to get 765 refugees from Afghanistan. That number's actually been bumped up to 865. Um, and, <clears throat> and so since uh, you know, September, the first week of September, these uh, refugees, and I, and I should be clear, they actually aren't technically refugees. Uh, most of them are special immigrant visa holders or humanitarian parolees are the two main kind of classification. Humanitarian parolee, what the heck is Yeah, that? and that's, and everyone I talk to... Uh, it doesn't, it's not what you think it is. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> okay. yeah. It, it sounds like a really bad word, right? Yeah. Parolee in America, um, not, not the term you want to be using. Yeah, and it's actually, so... so it, the situation in Afghanistan, there's been a lot of humanitarian parolees because um, the situation was really chaotic. And the the humanitarian parolee process is basically meant to buy you some time living in the U.S. while you apply for a visa. So it's sort of just like a first step in the visa process. And for a lot of these people that were coming through the gate at the airport, you know, they maybe didn't have time to get their visa in order so they were rushed through the gate and it's basically you know you're given this humanitarian parolee process and then you can complete the visa process later um so those are the two main kind of classifications that are coming over right now special immigrant visa holders or humanitarian parolees so they started to trickle in in september um and and since then i've kind of just been following some families around um tamim and i met at a event at the utah islamic center in west jordan um and uh, and and I was just sort of there being an annoying journalist and <laughs> <laughs> walking around talking We've to people. And sure enough, Tamim and I started talking and turns out he has a pretty incredible story and hopefully he can share it today. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Tamim, uh, first of all, thank you again for joining us. How old are you? You mind me asking? Uh, I'm 23 years old. Okay. Again, I'm going to ask you to give me your outside voice. Yeah. Cause it's, Gotta talk loud. Uh, yeah, talk I mean, like I recognize why, but yeah. Okay. Bring it, channel your inner American <laughs> okay. here. Yeah. So, um, 
Okay, talk about your life growing up, uh, you know, in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, in Afghanistan, uh, in my experience, uh, living in Afghanistan means living in the hell. Uh, I have no fond memories of Afghanistan. The people of Afghanistan have always been in sorrow. Explosions, murders, thieves, insecurity happen every day in Afghanistan. You do not know what will happen when you leave home. If one day there was no explosion, on that day the fear of exploding would upset my mental state. It means we were upset at any time. I felt like I was going to die, it was going to explode. If you want to find hopeless people, go Afghanistan. And part of your fear, mm. according to Kyle, I know, it's it's profound, right? I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I did not expect that. And and he wrote this last night trying to get some thoughts together for mm-hmm. this um, interview, which I really appreciate um, because I think people need to understand sort of what the situation you're coming from is, was like and then what the process has been like for you to come here. But in Kyle's story, he talked about um, sort of the, you were so good. You ha- you had this, you grew up wanting to be a soccer star. Like a lot of kids, you had a sports dream, right? Like, <laughs> um, and that led to you having some success. You were really good, and you got featured, and you could do some tricks on TV, and um, you got pictured with high-ranking U.S. officials, and that made you a target. Just that simple thing, right? Yeah. And uh, I seen the different things uh, during the life and in Afghanistan and in here. It's like um, uh, the different. Uh, the different is that that in the United States, children uh, go to the kindergarten in a peaceful environment, but in Afghanistan, most of the children uh, are forced to work and have to support their family financially in unsafe environment. What does so, a child do for work? Like uh, uh, cleaning car, uh, selling uh, plastic, and. Uh, okay. On the street and cleaning the shoes, shoes of the people, yeah. and uh, uh, they don't. Uh, they have to support their family because uh, their family needs financially help, and uh, they can't go to the school to study. This is Afghanistan life, mm-hmm. and but in here, uh, when I came in here, uh, it's mean when you come from the darkness to the brightness place. I was in the darkness place for 23 years old. For 23 years, I was in the darkness. But after 23 years, uh, I find uh, brightness. What was... Um, you're, you're working to help support your family, doing what you can, but you're also um, playing soccer. Yeah, playing soccer. Uh, soccer, you know, soccer... Um, as as my life, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you are already uh, American with that. Yeah, that is, so but, that is so true. But in Afghanistan, uh, you face it with disappointed because no one support you in Afghanistan. Uh, the conditional in Afghanistan were not uh, f- for uh, favorable for the uh, for me to continue playing soccer. Like uh, you have, you need uh, support. You have to pay for your transportation for anything. Uh, like uh, you have to support your family also as well. But uh, I-, I did my best to reach my goals in the uh, in a state of disappear. I have been playing soccer for fourteen years. 
I fa- uh, I uh, I face it with huge problems in my life, which these problems keep me away from improvement. Mm-hmm. To keep more practicing soccer, but I have been un- uh, underestimating these problems, and I have been struggling with them. And I will do because my interest is so much with soccer. Uh, my big objective in soccer was is to be best player in the world. But uh, you know, uh, I live twenty three years in darkness, so. It's mean uh, uh, I am older right now, twenty three. But I, uh, but I hope to support. I hope to someone support me in here, because uh, age is not important. Age is a number. And uh, uh, in my first team in Afghanistan uh, that I play soccer, uh, it's a Kabura Football Club's teams. Uh, we had one of the best coach. His name is Tamim Kabura. Hope he is fine in this situation in Afghanistan. He's still there. He, yeah, he is in Afghanistan, and he is. Uh, he was the best coach that I ever seen in my life in Afghanistan. Uh, like uh, in Afghanistan, in my experience, when we play soccer, uh, we walk it for away uh, places and uns- uh, we walk it for we walk it for away uh, places uh, in unsafe condition to our training or playing soccer we did not have a suitable field for playing soccer on that time um, uh, we used our transportation money for the soccer field and we get our transportation money for the owner of soccer field to playing soccer one day in the best soccer field in Afghanistan so we only got a couple of minutes but I uh, I got a million questions so so here since you've been here, are you playing soccer already? Uh, until now, I trying to play soccer. I uh, doing my uh, workout, uh, like workout training every day. Uh, but uh, I just need uh, support to uh, someone that uh, uh, one of uh, one of I uh, one of men in here. It's uh, his name is Adam Miles. He uh, he want to support me in here. Uh, he uh, he already support me a lot. A lot of support me. He introduced me for it for a team uh, last week uh, for uh, uh, Salt Lake Community College team, and uh, uh, they are told me in January we will test you because of the weather mm-hmm. uh, problem. In January we will test you. So you uh, you have to be ready on that time. Well, you're used to snow living in Afghanistan, but I will tell you, it'll be a weird experience trying to do this. We have to uh, take a break here. When we come back, we'll continue to uh, learn more about your story. I, you know, God bless America. That's all I got. <laughs> we'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, today joined by Deseret News reporter uh, Kyle Dunphy and Afghan immigrant Mohammed Tamim Solados, who has a fascinating story. First of all, uh, I'm going to let Amy start asking questions, but you've only been here a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, two months and 15 days. Yeah. We talked to you earlier. He's, he's counting the days. So yeah. <laughs> two months and 15 days and newly minted. Over the rest of your life. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So um, I... Uh, found out about uh, Tamim and, and 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 some other Afghan refugees, and also just the issues that they're facing and what sort of how Utah is processing them from a series of articles that Kyle is writing, which I recommend everyone follow him on Twitter. He tweets these out. I've been trying to retweet him when I see them. But um, Kyle, would you just give us some idea of like when refugees started arise, arriving and sort of where we are in the process of of welcoming people to Utah? Yeah, so the first uh, refugee or, or <clears throat> person evacuated from from the uh, from Kabul uh, arrived in Utah. I believe it was the first week of September, um, and since then they've kind of been trickling in. And it's a really slow process. I'm sure Tamim can kind of tell you about the headaches and just sort of the flurry of of red tape um, that that these people need to go to through. Um, you know, as of today, the state's still supposed to get about 300 uh, more. Um, refugees, uh, but they're stuck right now kind of in limbo on military bases, um, some in the U.S. and some internationally. Um, but as they are trickling in, as they're you know being vetted, as their applications are being processed, um, they're, uh, they're, they're funneling in, into Utah. Um, and, and there's obviously a lot of needs. Um, there's I don't even know where to start, and I'm sure Tamim can can give us a better idea of sort of the the needs of of this community. Um, but but everything from you know trying to get a driver's license to being getting work authorization to um, trying to you know get your visa approved to enrolling in school. Um, you know, there's a lot of professionals that are coming over right now that worked um, as contractors, um, worked alongside U.S. military and. And so there's a lot of people that have experience, you know, in, in the trades um, that maybe their certifications can't transfer over to the U.S. Um, there's a lot of students that are trying to get their college credits transferred. And so there's just like a mountain of, of things that, that these people are having to deal with. And, and the state has is helping. You know, we have two resettlement agencies here in, in Salt Lake City, the International Rescue Community and Catholic Community Services. Um, and, and they're right now being helped by... Um, the Afghan Community Fund, which is an initiative from <clears throat> from the state to to sort of uh, you know give these resettlement agencies a little more financial support, um, but but yeah, like I said, there's just so much um, so much overhead for for this community right now. There are some unique aspects to this situation compared to other uh, humanitarian crises before. You know, um, the the time in which these people came. You know, it, it's pretty incredible that, you know, a couple months ago, my friend Tamim here was was in Afghanistan, whereas, you know, a lot of refugees 
living in the U.S. right now, some were born on refugee camps. Some spent mm-hmm. years on refugee camps. So these people were really just shot out of um, <clears throat> shot out of a cannon right right into Utah. Um, and and so so that's a unique aspect. And and really that the speed in which this process happened has created a lot of backlog. Um, that's why you know to me getting work authorization has been really hard for for people like him because there's thousands of people trying to get work authorization um and i'm sure he can talk a little more about sort of just the mountain of of like i said red tape that that you have to go through i was gonna say welcome to america where we (laughs) we do sports well but we also do red tape really well thank you so much you're in the light and now you can see all the red tape (laughs) no i mean so just tell us a little bit about what it was like before you left Kabul, and then what what just like what kinds of problems or issues have you had like, do you want to work? Do you want to go to school? How how do, how is that? How has it been going? Uh, firstly, in Afghanistan, when I was in Afghanistan, uh, I faced it with a lots of problems. It's like um, yeah, I have to support my family on that time, and uh, I have to support myself uh, studying lessons and um, go to university and the daytime I was working in the Ministry of National Defense uh, in uh, social media section but uh, after uh, after job I wa- uh, in the nighttime I was go to university and study English literature department uh, a lot of people uh, choose uh, the economics law uh, IT computer science like uh, like that but uh, I um, uh, when I was child, uh, I really love English language because of that. I choose the English la- language literature in, uh, in Kabul University. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a student in Kabul University. Very practical choice. He's <laughs> <laughs> working out now. He knows yeah. his audience. <laughs> Your English is fantastic. I mean, Thank I you just, so I'm much. so impressed. Yeah. But so, what, what's it been like since you got here? Uh, in here, um, like. Uh, do you want to share? Yeah, uh, uh, I, I wonder, like, what it's like not knowing where you don't get to pick where you live, right? Okay, so so like, what was that like to not know, like, where am I? So when you live? left like, Afghanistan, you didn't know where you're, you didn't know you're going to end up here, did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. It's know? A, it's a, like, um, uh, uh, it's a, all like a dream. It's all like a dream uh, to uh, when you sleep and you when you wake up and you see the American flag. <laughs> <laughs> So did you know you were coming to Utah or did you just know you were coming to the United States? I just uh, know that to uh, I I did not know about that. I just uh, uh, left Afghanistan in a bad situation that the uh, US army uh, helped our family and help us to come in here. And I am so glad and I am very thankful from the US government. Was and that scary to try to figure out who they were? Yeah, yeah. I, if you want, I can share the story sure. uh, that uh, um, in the first day, uh, in the first uh, day when uh, Afghanistan faced with bad situation, uh, that uh, our bad president left Afghanistan and left mm-hmm. people. And is uh, it Karzai? Yeah, Ashraf Ghani. Okay, Ashraf Ghani. Uh, we don't think about that. That a uh, lots of people talking about that Afghanistan will uh, uh, Taliban will come in, inside of the uh, capital province, but uh, we don't believe that because we believe in our army, we believe in our soldier. Uh, but uh, uh, honestly, and if uh, after one night uh, when that situation happened, uh, when I w- uh, woke up in the morning, 
I see this street, no one on this street, no Afghan army, no police, no anything, no government. Just uh, like animal people come on this street with white flag, uh, uh, human like animal. And uh, I, I, I shock it. I shock it uh, in my sleep. Right, you you think this is a nightmare? This is a, I think yeah. it's a. This is a some like a dream, and it's not possible. And we should say that that white flag—that's the flag that the Taliban flies. The Taliban so flag. Looked out yeah. and saw the Taliban. So they use a surrender flag for their own flag. It's not. It has some some stuff some on it. Okay, on, all right. It's, yeah. it's just really so then you know that the Taliban flag. has taken position in your city. In my city. Yes. Yeah. And after that, I I felt that our life is in the danger. Mm-hmm. Because and you work for the Defense Department. Uh, also, I work, and also uh, one of my brother, uh, he was work with U.S. military and mm-hmm. U.S. Marine, uh, like t- for translator mm-hmm. and in U.S. Embassy. And uh, you know, uh, when Taliban get uh, get inside of the Kabul, get it inside of the Kabul city, uh, they have any paper, they have any list. Because of that, we left fastly our home. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, we, uh, my brother called me, go fastly to the airport. When I, uh, uh, I, uh, I, uh, when I, in the first day, uh, when I uh, saw the news in Facebook mm-hmm. uh, and in social media, I saw that uh, that uh, uh, last night a lots of people uh, transport uh, from the U.S. Uh, Air Force to the Qatar, and yeah. uh, uh, honestly, on that time. Uh, I moved to the Kabul airport without my family to check the door. Uh, on the road, um, thousand uh, people they are walking in front of the gate. And all the roads is uh, locked, and uh, when I seen in front of the door a machine gun, Taliban, and oh, wow. they are. Um, like animal their reaction and they are killed also people on that day and i trying uh, i try it uh, i know that the u.s military inside of the airport i try to uh, go to near of the u.s military uh, to show for them our document so they can get out yeah Listen, but i want to continue your story i, w- I want to uh, cut you off because i want to take a break keep, yeah. take a break for a second we will be back we will have uh tamim continue telling his story about how this treacherous trip to the Kabul airport, uh, trying to get out and uh, you know save his family. You're listening to Voices of Reason. We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, speaking today with Kyle Dumphy, a reporter for the Deseret News, who is doing in-depth coverage on uh, the uh, Afghanistan. What do you, how do you even describe it, uh, Kyle? I mean, is, is, is it the refugee situation or just the uh, – I mean, It's kind of both. Immigrants yeah. and refugees. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's hard. I, the, the common term has been refugees, and that's kind of – it's not really a accurate use of the word. Um you know, refugees sort of a that's a status that you're gained from the UN and the State Department. Um, so, so it's it's I guess the the best way to describe it. I guess is just a crisis, or immigration, you know, humanitarian crisis. Um, but yeah, right. Where it's you see the word refugee, we talk mm-hmm. about Utah is going to get 
you know, 850 refugees. And that's actually not entirely accurate. Um, but, but yeah, uh, that's how I would define the, the, the And situation. he is joined today by uh, Afghan immigrant uh, Mohammed Tamim Soledost. I'm, I'm getting that. That's not too bad, actually. I feel bad, proud of myself. <laughs> and you were telling me, uh, Tamim, about how you were approaching uh, the airport and you can see the chaos that's already kind of developed and uh, with the Taliban having presence there. And you were trying to actually reach the U.S. military so that you can show that you had papers that uh, allowed you at least to hopefully get some help in, in uh, making the transition, getting getting out of uh, Afghanistan and then coming over. Yeah. Uh, on that time, uh, when I tried uh, to get inside of the airport from one gate of the Kabul airport, uh, uh, Lee, I, uh, I want to uh, Lee go inside. On that time, on that time, uh, I went Talib uh, attacked with the knife in mm. front of me, and I protect myself and I ran away from him. And uh, dead body, everything I seen on that mm. day. And uh, I, when I came back to home, uh, I I told my family, go outside, come. Firstly, our life is not. So, because right, you were living, uh, you and your family were in a uh, refugee camp at that time. Or is that right or no? Mm. They were living in a home, right? Yeah, in an yeah. apartment. Maybe I didn't understand what you said. In an apartment, yeah. yeah. In an apartment. Quickly from where? From the apartment. From the apartment. Okay. okay yeah, okay. from the apartment because uh, you know when you live in somewhere, you are neighbor. Everyone know you. Everyone know where you work. You don't trust on anyone. Maybe someone's. Uh, has a relationship with uh, bad people. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and they'll tell them, "Hey, these guys yeah, work with the U.S. Guys. government. Yeah. Go get them. Don't get me. Go yeah. get them." Yeah. And uh, also, on that time, uh, I uh, when I when I was working Ministry of Defense, uh, I meet with a lots of U.S. military and took a picture and get cert get the certificates mm. from the U.S. military, and I share that in social media. A lots of my friend also. Uh, Facebook friends also know about me, so uh, and people could curry favor with the Taliban yeah. by giving up somebody who yeah. And with uh, we left. Uh, uh, we uh, just uh, my brother uh, uh, like uh, sent for uh, like uh, apply for us in Portal, and uh, they sent, uh, he sent for us an email from the U.S. government, mm -hmm. uh, uh, v v online visa. And they just uh, write in the wrote, wrote in the email uh, go uh, come in the camp Sullivan door, and uh, we will pick up you guys. But oh, uh, the camp it's a military camp. Yes, okay. Yeah, and, and 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 the one of the gate of Kabul airport. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, when we move it on that place, uh, a lots of people crowd like uh, six thousand people, seven thousand people without documents. That mm -hmm. because people are scared. Yes, people are scared. They are trying to get inside of the airport. We'll have document. They can't go in front because when you go on the crowd, you can't breathe. Uh, importantly, with your family. Right. Women can't go inside of 6,000 people crowd. Mm -hmm. Everyone push you. Maybe you felt down. Mm -hmm. I also felt down. So you've, you've fallen, I also, it, in all the chaos, uh, you've fallen down and now you have people down. trampling on you. Yeah, triple. People walk it on on my body, and uh, 
So were you feeling like we're never going to get out? Yeah, I I tried to get out, but uh, on that time, I don't know how can I stand in my, uh, in my feet. It's all like, uh, I don't want to uh, remember a lot of things, but I share shortly my story. Yeah. And... Uh, how did you yeah. finally get to the to show them your documents? Yeah, uh, I will share that. Yeah. Uh, uh, after that, we go in another gate, another gate of airports, all of gate, uh, to the to the for for the, to the thirty August. We go around around of the Kabul airport. We did not eat anything without cookies and water. Mm-hmm. Uh, every day, every night. Not sleeping. If you uh, sometimes sleep only for two hours on the street. This is 30 days you did this. Yeah. And uh, with with my family. And uh, uh, we faced it uh, with bomb blasting on that time. Uh, uh, and the pupil crowd on that gate, uh, I don't remember the name of that gate that bomb blasting happened at, uh, in front of the gate. People crowd a lot, and I uh, told my family USD, and I will go near of the U.S. military, and I will show them the document and our online visa or a reference code that they are sent for as reference code to show that for mm-hmm. the U.S. military. Uh, when I move it on that time, uh, just uh, I also uh, record video on that time, and I share with uh, my friend uh, Kyle. Kyle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I move it on that time, uh, like a hundred or one hundred fifty meters away from me, I just hear a big voice like boom. Uh, I don't know what's happened. Just seen blood and run, mm. and fi- trying to find my found my family. But uh, I'm so lucky. My uh, I don't know. Am I say I'm lucky or no? Because on that day, uh, like hundred people killed on that day. Right, because you got bombs exploding yeah. all over the place and no protection. I don't want to say that I'm lucky because uh, our people are not safe in Afghanistan. Right. And uh, after that, uh, uh, we are so disappointed. We we were so disappointed on that time. My, my mom told me, uh, uh, like, we will never go to the airport again because of situ- uh, that situation. Because but, okay. the suicide bomber, the yeah. suicide yeah. bomber, yeah. And uh, I told him, uh, I told her, we have to go. We don't have choice. And we move it again. We move it again. Move it again. To the. 29 August, like 29 August, uh, we are so disappointed on that thing. We came back to home. We came back to home, uh, like not our home, our relative home, mm-hmm. because uh, in our apartment, uh, our life was danger, was in danger. And uh, on that time, uh, my brother connected, uh, related, relate, uh, like uh, connected with one of the soldiers inside mm-hmm. of the airport. We got about a minute to go. Yeah, and after that, they are called us to come on that street. The car will pick up you guys. Mm-hmm. And 
bring you through the bring trap. you through the gate and bring you to the, through the uh, U.S. Uh, uh, for yeah. the U.S. Because we should say British after that, after the suicide bombing, they actually didn't process people. People should know that the airport was guarded by Taliban soldiers, not U.S. military. U.S. military was inside the airport. Yeah. They were not allowed to be outside the airport. It was a really yeah, really hard so, uh, situation. So without uh, U.S. help, we did we can't uh, on that time we can't go inside. Yeah, we are so disappointed on that time. But uh, but your uh, entire family got inside. Yeah, okay. uh, like uh, they are checked the last. They are checked the reference code, everything uh, in front of the car. Also, they are checked the name. Like uh, mm-hmm. what do you say for that? Uh, Driver's when license. You, no, when you say the name of the people, let's get oh. <laughs> on the list. Are you on the list? <laughs> yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah. They are south list, and um, and after that, um, we w- until that uh, we don't believe that we will go to the inside. Yeah, but because you have no idea how we would get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in eight o'clock at night we uh, get into the we get it into the car, but in three a.m. In three o'clock in the night, we the car moved and inside of the airport, and uh, one of the translator from the U.S. military mm-hmm. they also uh, again checked the list mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. making sure, making sure, double and triple checking, yeah, double yeah. Che- checking, yeah. and uh, after that, uh, when I get uh, inside of the airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the biometric place, yeah. when the U.S. military check the passports or uh, any mm-hmm. documents, uh, again, uh, on that time, alarm is on because it's that no one in the airport without 30 or 29 officers of U.S. Yeah. military. Um, when we just, I gotta uh, cut you off a little bit because I don't, we can't go too long. Yeah. So when we come back, we'll have you finish it, and then uh, I want to uh, talk to Kyle a little bit about, you know, how you intend to cover this story going forward. Yeah, and uh, what people can do to support absolutely. people like Tamim. You are a courageous man. There's no two ways about that. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. And uh, today, joined by Kyle Dunphy, a Deseret News reporter who is doing in-depth coverage on the Afghan crisis and those people who are immigrating from uh, Afghanistan to uh, Utah. And we're joined today by uh, Mohammed Tamim Soledost, who is uh, kind of talking to us about a rather harrowing experience trying to just make it to the airport in the most chaotic situation that you can only imagine with thousands of people who are trying to flee to save their own lives are kind of rushing a place that is literally being surrounded and protected by Taliban soldiers. And you were saying that you had gotten to a point now where you at least have gotten inside and they are trying to make sure that you and your family and others uh, who have uh, trying to make this escape, that you are on the list essentially mm-hmm. to, you know, flee this situation. Yeah. Uh, on that time, uh, like uh, when when we go inside of the airports, uh, the U.S. military want to check our um, biometric place and bio, um, they check uh, our documents. On that time, the alarm is on, and uh, every uh, every soldiers come uh, like 
uh, read, read it for the fighting and everyone uh, every soldiers told us get down on the floor and everyone uh, everyone on that time get it down on the floor but he's motioning you can't see this because we're on a podcast but hands on the head hand, yeah. hand on hands on the head mm-hmm. and we uh, we felt that the Taliban is coming inside and the fight is starting uh, the fight is starting and uh, we don't like uh, 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 we uh, we think that we will die mm-hmm. We will killed by Taliban, and we the fight will starting. But um, um, after fifteen minutes, alarm is off, and and uh, uh, every soldiers told us camp again uh, on the on the position to, for biometric mm-hmm. or for checking documents. And uh, after that, who's, uh, can I ask you who's with you? So your brother is with you, and who else? Your mom. Uh, my mom and my sisters, uh, my sisters and her husband, her kids. Okay, so there's like how many of you do you think? Like like uh, ten. Ten of you? Yeah. Yeah, ten of us come inside of the airport and. Boy, that would be scary. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The kids. How old are the, the kids, kids? Like the kids, uh, uh, four years, um, mm. seven years. Uh, Hopefully, they'll forget. I can't imagine yeah. going through that as a kid. Like at least you, as an adult, have some. Ability to say like, oh, this is wartime. They don't really have any other. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, when 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 I uh, go inside, uh, when uh, when we move it uh, fastly to the uh, airplane, only two airplanes in the, on the in the airport. The one is for U.S. military, and the second is for the Afghan people. Mm. No one in the airport. I am the last person to left Afghanistan on that thing. The last one. On, to get on the plane? Yeah, last one. What does that feel like to be in the air? Because Just uh, at, uh, when I, when we go inside of the airplane, uh, Air Force airplane, uh, I, I'm also worried about uh, that uh, baby Taliban fire rocket on the airplane. So there's or, no relief. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Do you have relief now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and after that, when uh, the airplane go up, and I uh, like a um, big breathing. <sighs> sigh, a sigh of just relief. Yeah. Sleep, just <laughs> sleep. Nothing. Just sleep. Oh, that's how you sleep <laughs> on an airplane. Just have your life in jeopardy for thirty days. Yeah. Kyle, you've yeah. been covering other stories. I'm just wondering what this has like been like for you to sort of tell these stories and um, what you want. Pe- what have you learned? Like, what do you want people to understand about people who are having this experience? Yeah, so it, you know, I'm, so Tamim is, I, I covered Tamim's stories, one of several profiles I did on people that are, have come here from Afghanistan. Um, and it, and it kind of just, that series sort of just evolved. It was originally going to be like a, a series of vignettes that I realized that I couldn't tell Tamim's story and, and a lot of other vignette. people in 500 words, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like if I don't think a novelist could really do it justice, to be honest with you. Um, so, but yeah, it's kind of just evolved as I've been spending time with, with Tamim and, and other families from Afghanistan. And um, and yeah, so uh, I, I wrote three a series of three profiles um, on their experience. Uh, and, <clears throat> and it's just been a, a really grateful that, you know, people like Tamim and, and others have kind of opened up their homes and, and allowed me to kind of share their story because it's really, obviously, really hard story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, it's it's great to see, um, 
you know, so we had a editorial board meeting with uh, our governor, Spencer Cox, yesterday, and he said, um, you know, everyone saw those chaotic images from the airport. Um, and some of the people we see in those images are living in Utah right now. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do here because I think everyone like saw the pictures and the videos coming out of Afghanistan. Like, I think everyone, like the whole world saw saw those Mm -hmm. images. Um, but I don't know how many people like really slowed down and tried to learn more about like who, the people they were seeing in these videos, um, you know, whether like they had anything to eat that morning, like Tamim did, whether they had literally been on their feet for 72 hours. Um, I was just thinking about like, where are you going to the bathroom? Yeah. I mean, like if you're in this situation, think about this. I mean, this, this is real. This is life and death stuff. And these folks are just, they, they don't even have the bare minimum to get by, but yet somehow they need to survive less, you know, they, they fall prey to whatever, uh, you know, dictatorial things come down from the Taliban. I mean, it's just an impossible situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I'm one of like many journalists who really tried to kind of slow down and, and sort of tell, you know, look kind of more in depth at the situation and kind of look at the human side of the people trying to get into the airport. You know, that's, I, we saw, I, I saw so much good reporting kind of come from the last two and it's, it's, um, but I think I think it's critical because it's not just like it doesn't just give you perspective on what happened there. I think it's really important to understand this moment. We spent 20 years at war in Afghanistan. Years. And I think that it's important to understand what that does to a society and generations of Afghanis. Mm. And now Americans soon to be maybe Afghan Afghan Americans. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I think that. um it's not what I've really loved about the reporting is not just like hearing these stories and feeling grateful that I grew up going to kindergarten. <laughs> you know what I mean? In America, I really feel like um, a responsibility um, and a t- connection to Afghanis in a way that I didn't before this kind of reporting. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think like your that sentiment is shared among a lot of people in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, Utah has a long history of of kind of opening their doors to refugees. I mean, like that, that's a huge cultural aspect of the state, right? I mean, the Mormon pioneers, they were refugees. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, if you look at, there's, there's obviously some kind of anti-refugee sentiment. um, One minute. But, but by and large in Utah and, and kind of across the country, it's really hard to find polling that shows people don't support letting people into the country um especially, especially when they know the story right especially like when they know the story yeah and, and so what, they, what was the governor saying people could do to help like we don't have that much time left sure what, what, yeah so there's the afghan community fund um so far they've raised about 1.1 million dollars in donations a lot of those donations are from companies but they're from individuals as well um the big thing people can do if they're looking to help is they can donate money but um, the funds are pretty deep, and they are lacking on volunteers, and they're lacking in housing. So, where do um, you go to, uh, you know, find out about this? Is so, there... you can go to the IRC's website or Catholic Community Services. That's International Rescue Community or Catholic Community Services. Um, their website, you can volunteer. They're really looking for long-term volunteers, caseworkers. You know, everyone wants to show up for a day and do, you know, hand out food or whatever. But they're really looking for people who can make kind of more of a long-term commitment. 
Um, and then any landlords, any property owners, people that have housing available, you know, everyone in the state is struggling to find housing right now. Not, mm-hmm. you know, so when you're a refugee that doesn't have necessarily the credit history or the employment history that landlords look or, for. Or that's even a, permission to work. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's another big element to, to it right now. Um, so housing and volunteers and then, you know, obviously money um, to these organizations that they'll, they'll always be accepting. Um, mm-hmm. But, but there has been an outpouring of financial support um, to, to these organizations and to the community fund. Well, I hope to have you back so that you can tell us after your uh, Salt Lake Community College uh, trip, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking about how we can see you play soccer somewhere, right? <laughs> That's my hope for you. Thank you. And so thank much. you so much for doing this. And th- Kyle, thanks for your work. Yeah. yeah thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, to uh, me, the best to you, seriously. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, I I had experience also during the arrivation that uh, – when when I moved uh, from the Germany to in here, I all the all the uh, uh, trans, uh, traveling mm-hmm. and all time, I sleep. And after when I wo- woke up, uh, the airplane door was open, and I seen the American flag. <laughs> this is the best. That was the best feeling that I uh, that. And after that. Um, uh, during the arrivation, uh, like uh, I faced it with uh, like because of that because of that situation, I faced it with dehydrating and every soldiers, U.S. soldiers, and with uh, mm-hmm. and during the arrivation, they are, uh, helped me and uh, give you and, an IV. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah, yeah dehydration is real. Yeah, yeah, and also uh, when when I seen the U.S. military, uh, I seen the humanity first time uh, because they are very worried about all of Afghan, all of people. Uh, they care. They care day, daytime, nighttime, and any weather, cold, warm, they stand for helping people. And we are very thankful. Like uh, And also, uh, when I came in here, uh, I seen the mountains Beautiful mountains. <laughs> yeah. That's our best yeah, that, That's our best <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get them skiing this winter. Beautiful yeah. mountains and um, beautiful people, respectful people, peace, love, everything. Well, Just, it's uh, sometimes I felt I'm in a dream or no. Well, yeah. Uh, this, that's the American dream, right? Yeah. Welcome to America. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, and, uh, Ooh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, and I want to say that uh, we are human. Uh, it's not important where we are from. We are from Asian. We are a country. We are from European country. We are from USA. We are all human. We need help. Each other help. We need to support each other. We need to support each other. And uh, uh, if if we feel uh, pain in in our one finger, mm-hmm. we feel pain in all in our, our all body. It means a parts of the world right now feel pain, like Afghanistan. It means all the world feel pain about that because um, our people are hungry right now. They don't have food. They are trying to sleep for forgot uh, for forget the hungry moment and uh, 
they don't they they don't have hope right now and uh, they need support so hopefully uh, USA every time support our people hopefully in future also uh, USA US government hopefully support our people help our people right now it's very important okay yeah. thank you join us again for the next episode of the loudmouth project's voices of reason if you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Sports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast in all the places where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We'd love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.